Welcome to Rooting For You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non-experts. I'm Tess and I know nothing. And I'm Elise and I know some things. Each week we'll chat about one gardening topic and then discuss the effort reward payoff by asking, is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. So this concept has come up a few times and Elise has said that it needs a full episode and we'll come back to it. So here we are fulfilling promises. This episode is an introduction to crop rotation, what it is and the basics of how to implement it into your seasonal gardening calendar. Now, this is actually our second crack at recording this episode. We had a first go and truth be told, this is not a super simple topic and we're trying to convey it in the most accessible way possible. So I'm going to say it's an intermediate topic. The first episode we started out and we're like, no, we can do better. So here we are. Take two. If I sound more knowledgeable on this topic, that is the reason why. (laughs) I've just heard it all from Elise. So there's, I'm I'm not a secret crop rotating master. (laughs) Try to keep something simple, but then try to give enough information for you guys to do a good job was proving difficult. But I think Tess and I have got our got our heads on straight now, or at least I do. Let's start with the basics. What is crop rotation? So crop rotation is planting crops in a different area of the garden so that no single crop will be planted in the same place in a row. And You might have heard us talking about this in previous episodes. I mean, we've mentioned it a few times, but particularly Mm. around the tomatoes because Mm. what you said that I remember about tomatoes is you can't do that in the same spot year after year after year after year because it depletes the soil nutrients. There's a lot of problems that that can be created from growing the same crop over and over again. And beginner gardeners, and especially people with smaller gardens – are quite at risk of this mm. because you've had success with tomatoes. We say they're like crack for gardeners. So you're just going to go tomato after tomato after tomato. Often there's a garden bed that is well suited to tomatoes. It's full sun, mm-hmm. whatever. So your natural inclination is to think, well, it went well in that bed that time. So I'll keep doing it. It's actually a very bad idea and it can create some key problems, which is why we have brought this up quite a few times on the podcast because one of the easiest ways to prevent these problems is just crop rotate but you got to know what that is you got to know what that is exactly so the fact that we've got a year into the podcast and i haven't explained it yet is problematic and given the fact it's winter obviously you're probably not planting a lot of things right now but coming into spring when you're planning your spring Mm. garden which is often something people will do in winter you know you're going to order your seeds you're going to get organized get your seedlings started in winter that kind of thing you can think very strategically about where you're going to plant these summer crops thinking about what did I have in there last year what have I had in there over winter can I even remember what I had in there the year before Mm. so it's a really good one to think about in winter but let's talk about the problems that not rotating crops can cause firstly we've got to work out what the problem is as to before we can sell you on why you got to sell exactly so there's three main reasons that we as gardeners from the most beginner, small-scale gardener to commercial operations. There's three reasons why you crop rotate. The first is there's plenty of pests and diseases that live in soil. And 
Pests and diseases in the garden are quite picky. What might be an absolute pest to a tomato or a potato and might actually kill your entire crop has no implications on your lettuces, for example. So it needs the host plant to thrive. So say we plant tomatoes and this pest or this disease gets into our soil. Once the tomatoes are out, that pest or disease has no host family. It has no food. It can't, it can't do its thing. So the next time if we come along, we plant the tomato again, then the disease that's still probably laying dormant in our soil is going to be going apeshit because it's like, great, we've got this food source again. Here we go. And it proliferates. I still don't know if that's a word. <laughs> It grows, it multiplies, it gets stronger because we are giving it its food source, Mm. right? So it's such a problem. But if we planted the next year, we planted our silver beet there, that problematic aspect in our soil has no food source. So it just can't, it can't get a hold of the crop. So it's a really easy way to minimize pests and minimize diseases that are found in our soil that focus on specific crop families is just don't give them don't let them take a hold mm. basically is that clear yeah 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 so there's there's certain diseases don't and and pests that are in the soil don't love all plants equally yeah exactly exactly so if we don't give them what they love they can they just they stay under control and look if that's the easiest thing you've got to do if that's what you got to do to manage a big number of pests and diseases in the garden i mean that's That's pretty easy. Mm. If only we could manage the cabbage butterfly that way. (laughs) The next reason why we crop rotate is it manages the soil nutrients. So every episode when we've done a crop, there's usually particular nutrients, whether it be the macros or the micros, that that plant is a really heavy feeder on. If we continually plant our tomatoes in the same place over and over again, the, the nutrients that tomatoes suck up a lot of are going to get sucked up time and time again and there won't be any left. Mm. So if tomatoes need potassium, for example, and we've used up all the potassium in that soil, we're not going to get a really healthy tomato crop. It's just impossible. And then we're going to have all these other nutrients that are kind of in abundance in this soil and it's we're basically throwing off the synergy and every year we do this, we're going to have a worse crop. Mm-hmm. And, I mean – that's not what we're in the business of. No, absolutely. And I think that you made a really good point in our first crack at recording this episode <laughs> that if you don't crop ro- rotate, you can overcome that one particular issue, not mm. the pest that we discussed yeah. as problem number one, but that particular issue can be overcome with composting and working the soil. But that's a exactly. really hard job. Exactly. So crop rotation is another option that we have available to us to put nutrients back in the ground Mm. and even with the compost and the animal manures and everything that you can rebuild and tess is totally right you you can and you will but you've then gonna have you're gonna be adding you know compost after compost after compost to try and up your magnesium for example yet you might have this massive overabundance of some other nutrient in there that you've just never utilized Mm. so it's like you're sitting on a pot of gold and you're not accessing it so to make your life easy access what you've got Mm. and you won't you won't know what you've got it's not like you can look at your soil and say oh i've got heaps of magnesium you don't know but what you do know is tomatoes suck up heaps of one thing so if i've grown heaps of tomatoes i just need to grow something else simple Mm. as that and then this way we don't even really need to understand what nutrients each crop needs we just understand that a tomato is going to use a different one to your silver beet. Yeah, sure. 
The third reason we crop rotate is it builds and enriches your soil because different plants have different root systems. So some plants are really deep rooted. Some plants are really shallow rooted. Some plants, you know, root in one way. Some plants root in the other. Plant roots are actually integral to building the soil structure and also providing channels for oxygen, pathways for worms in the soil. So to build the strongest soil we can, we don't want to continually use the same root structure in that bed. We want to have multiple options to get the best soil we can. Best soil we can means best plants. Okay, so we've covered off on our problems. We have keeping diseases and pests under control, replenishing soil nutrients and also looking after our soils and our root systems and making sure we're not getting too much of one thing and we're making room for others. So those are our problems. Yeah. Tell us about our fixes. So the fixes is, as the name suggests, (laughs) rotate your crops. Do not plant the same thing in the same spot over and over. Now, this was the question that Tess had when we recorded this last time was, well, if I planted my tomatoes there this time and then over winter I put kale there, does that mean I can plant a tomato there again? Because it's technically not a tomato after a tomato. And then I'd just go tomato, kale, tomato, kale, tomato, kale for For the rest of your life and you think you've solved it. (laughs) No, we absolutely don't want to do that. And especially given that especially given that some crops we only grow in certain seasons, like tomatoes, for example, I really want you to think about what you planted in that bed last summer, you don't want to plant this summer. Mm-hmm. Kind of ignoring what happens in the middle, I don't want repeats of the seasonals. But here's the complicating factor. It's not as simple as I planted a tomato there, so therefore I can plant a potato there next time or an eggplant because it's actually not about rotating the specific plant. It's about rotating the plant family. So just to give all of the beginners a heads up, Mm. this is where it gets complicated. This is where it gets complicated because you have to understand the different families for starters. And what I just learned is that a tomato and a potato are in the same family. Are in the same family. That's the one that stuffs it. I that feel like really blows your mind. Yeah, it? I feel like everything else is quite simple, and then that one is a problem. So let's talk about which means the families. that they, they potatoes and tomatoes like the same thing in the soil. Yeah, which is why we can't have them back to back because they both want the same thing out of the soil. They both want the same thing out of the soil, and in particular with tomatoes and potatoes because they are the most problematic with soil-borne diseases in my humble opinion with a beginner gardener the same soil-borne diseases that attack potatoes will attack tomatoes Mm, so that's actually the biggest problem we're not suppressing that we're not suppressing that exactly and that disease like blight which affects potatoes and tomatoes will absolutely ruin your entire crop and if you've ever had blight i don't want you planting a potato or a tomato in that garden bed for like five years. Okay. That's how hardcore you have to be to try and get this out. So can we do a high-level introduction of the families? Yeah. There are quite a few families. I don't think we need to get into the nitty-gritty of all of them. I think there's about nine. But I'm going to break it into six, mm-hmm. which are actually not correct families, but they'll work for us, okay? They'll right. work for us beginners. They work for us beginners. beginners, exactly. I don't want someone saying, that's not a family. You're right, it's not, but this is what we're going to go with. 
Okay, so we're going to go with roots. Yep. Carrots, beetroots, onions, chopped garlic in there for all I care. Roots. Roots. Brilliant. Leaves. Yep. Silver beet, rocket, salad greens, parsley, coriander. Kale? No. (laughs) (laughs) Kale (laughs) falls into the brassicas. Okay. Now, this actually is a family. I haven't made this one up. (laughs) We've talked about this family a lot on the podcast. I feel quite confident that most people have, like, a vague idea of the contents of this one Mm -hmm. because these are all the things that the cabbage moth likes. Yes, we've covered them. That's why we've discussed them. This is your kale, your cabbage, your cauliflower, your Brussels sprouts, your broccoli. Mm -hmm. That's your brassicas. We've then got our legumes which is our beans and our peas, anything that pods. Mm-hmm. That's another group we're going to include in this crop rotation. And then we've got our fruiting crops. Now, these are anything that produces a fruit. So we've got, you know, capsicums, chilies, tomatoes, cucumbers, pumpkins, etc. That group, I could just say the fruiting crop and we could leave it there and you could work with this. But that group is probably our favorite group to grow as beginner gardeners. Mm. So to just make your life a little bit more complicated, but to make your gardening better, we're going to break our fruiting groups into two. Mm-hmm. These are actually real groups this time. The nightshade family, which is your eggplants, your capsicums, your chilies, your potatoes, and your tomatoes. Mm-hmm. This is the problematic group. If you only pay attention to rotating one, if, this is, if you only take one thing from this whole episode, rotate your nightshades. That's the key. <laughs> the second fruiting group are our cumbits. These are our cucumbers, zucchinis, melons, pumpkins, squash. Okay. So I've given you six groups there. Yes. I don't want you to plant anything from one group the next season in the same bed. So when you say the next season, we're saying if you have a rooting vegetable there in yeah. winter, yeah. the next winter you can't have a rooting vegetable. Correct. What you do in the summer doesn't matter. Well, I mean, look, you can also grow rooting vegetables in summer, so I don't worry. <laughs> so back-to-back seasons, over a two-year period, you can't grow the same thing. And you've got there's a whole bunch of really great stuff there. Yeah. You get two fruiting categories. That's great. That so. is great. <laughs> How about if we said this? In two years, which is four growing seasons, mm-hmm. I don't want the same group mentioned twice. So you've got six there. But in a year, in two years, you got to go through four of them. Yeah, that's simple. That works. That's clear. Because same with brassicas, you can actually grow them in summer or winter. You know, the leaves as well, we yep. can grow in summer. And so a lot of those do seasonally cross over. It's really only the fruiting crops that don't. But in four growing cracks, two years, don't want any repeats. I think we've just simplified it. I think we have too. Thank God we re-recorded. Apart from the family's making no sense, it's really quite simple now. It, it is quite simple. <laughs> <laughs> I think you often can think back two years or by the time you're planting your fourth crop, you probably can remember most of what you did before then. But, you know, don't don't lose sleep over it. Yeah, uh, and I think that you you made the point in the earlier recording that – you're not super vigilant about this. No, I'm actually not. I'm really not. I don't pay – I don't write it down. Like a lot of people will record. They'll have like Garden Med 1, 2, 3, 4. There's software programs you can 
get on your computer and you put what you grew where and then it tells you next year what you can't grow. I did that for like the first couple of years I gardened and it was so much fun. But then I found it was more like I was – Admin over. Well, it was more like I was was getting my kicks from planning my garden rather than growing my garden. Yeah, sure. If that makes sense. It was like – you had so much fun setting it out, but then at the end of the day, like, it's in the doing. Mm. So I just – and then I suppose as my garden got bigger and bigger, that became less fun. So I don't write this down. I don't record it, but I do very, very, very particularly pay attention to the nightshades. And, you know, just just generally when you're planting, kind of thinking, just having a sense of what's been there. Mm. Like, this is all I'm really asking you to do. The thing – with crop rotation that kind of works in your favor so you might have been doing it without realizing is the heavy feeders and this is really the nightshades the cumberts and the brassicas you don't want to go brassica nightshade brassica cumbert like that's just too many heavy feeders Mm -hmm. bang 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 after each other but the thing is if you look at those groups you look at something like a tomato you might have it in the ground for six eight months if you got it in you know, early spring, something like a Brussels sprout, which is in the brassica family, that is going to be in the ground for about eight months. So usually if you're planning your garden well, you can't keep backing up heavy feeder, heavy feeder, heavy feeder because the seasons, the timing isn't going to align. Yeah. So what you might end up naturally doing is you plant a tomato and then that's not going to come out of the ground till end of autumn. You've missed your chance to put in most brassicas. You then might just put in some silver beet over the winter. Mm. And then, you know, come summer, you can do something else. But at least the soil has had a break in between. Mm-hmm. Another great one is, you know, after your tomatoes, which might, again, come out end of autumn, something like peas can be planted right up into winter. They are a brilliant – they're a legume, so they're in our potting family. They are a brilliant soil fixer and a soil mm. conditioner. We talked about this in the peas episode, that often people will grow these crops simply to improve their soil, yep. not just to eat it. So it kind of naturally lends itself to mm. a bit of crop rotation anyway. When we're talking about this, I'm picturing quite a large garden setup. Mm. If you just have one garden bed that you put your tomatoes in one end and, and you put your zucchini in the other, how do you rotate those crops mm. in a small garden bed? Yeah, it's literally just like a 30 centimetre, every 30 centimetre squared piece is like its own soil mapping. Yeah, okay. So don't think about it as whatever your container is if you're working in raised garden beds. Think about it as the space, 30 square centimetres. Yeah, or, you know, or smaller if you've got lettuces. If if you've got a lot of garden beds, probably naturally it is going to just be I had all of one crop in there, but it absolutely Mm. doesn't need to be. And, of course, you know, I might have my tomato in my garden bed, but I've pretty much always planting basil with it too Mm. you know so you've always it's never an exact science but it's really it's not about the garden bed as a whole it really is about that particular spot unless we're talking about potato blight which is probably going to be in the whole garden bed yeah right but as far as managing nutrients managing soil literally just if you moved it 30 centimeters over next time that's probably going to be fine okay Again, depending on the root size. Something that's got a massive root size like a pumpkin, we're going to want to space it more. If it's a lettuce, (laughs) you know, we can go closer. 
But yeah, it does get a little bit more difficult to think about when you've got a small garden, like a really small garden, because you might know you had a tomato and a zucchini in that garden bed, but exactly where was the tomato, exactly where was the zucchini? Mm. Taking photos is really handy. Oh, yeah. And if you've only got two garden beds, taking a photo every planting season of literally what you planted where is not a particularly onerous ask. And then you can look back and see exactly where it is and Mm. go from there. I really don't want anyone to listen to this episode and go forth stressing about what they're planting where. If you're in doubt, get some legumes in the ground. Oh, that's a good tip because yeah. we talked about how that was like kind of soil conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So if in doubt, you can never have too many legumes in the yeah. soil. They're always going to help the situation. So that's a great one. Listening to this in winter, that might be planting peas. Coming into spring, because most of us probably will have done our planting already, that'll be growing beans or mm-hmm. peas, you know, snow peas, sugar snaps, all those we can also grow all through spring. Mm-hmm. So that would be my go-to. But but don't stress about it. Just that now we've put the idea in your mind, just think about it a little more. And if you think back and you think, I have actually grown tomatoes in the same garden bed four years running, when it comes to feeding your soil in spring before your next planting, I want you to give those garden beds a particularly thorough Mm. top up. I'm going to pair it back to what we need to know as beginner gardeners. Yes. Don't grow tomatoes again and again and again every summer in the same bed. You've got to mix it up because otherwise your soil nutrients is going to be no good. You're at risk risk of pests. So... The benefits of crop rotation are there. We've got six families to choose from in four growing cycles in a two-year period. So go bananas. Oh, I've got another tip. Oh, okay. Here we go. If you like growing in pots, which I do not, but I know a lot of people do, your pot is its own soil infrastructure. So if you've grown tomatoes again and again in that pot – But you like that pot for tomatoes and you like that spot for tomatoes. What you can do is literally tip out all the soil, tip it into another garden bed, tip it into Mm. another pot, fill it up with fresh soil, and then you can grow your tomatoes in that pot in that spot again. And then the soil that you removed, whether you've put it on a garden bed, whether you've put it in other pots, in that soil then grow something different in a different spot. Love it. I can see someone like you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tipping it all out. (laughs) Would have put it past me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or you can just tip it out and put it in the compost. Yep. Is the other thing. Any old soil. If you've ever got a pot and you're like, this is just crusty, looks like sad soil, Mm. just put it in your compost and let it rejuvenate there. That's actually a really good tip because I've never Mm. known what to do with crusty soil. Yeah, in the compost. There you go. Yeah. Fabulous. Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess. You can find us on Instagram at Rooting for You Pod or email Rooting for You at EliseAlexandra.com.